0: Thank you, Jen. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, today we have a special guest speaker. His name is Marcus Corpening. So, you know, Marcus is a great, good friend of mine. I've known him for quite a bit. And when I first came to Korea, I remember like on the second Sunday that I was in Korea, we went to play basketball after church. And there was this young African-American gentleman. We thought he was so fresh and so clean, clean, and thought he was so good at basketball. He was all right, but, uh, but and then he came back to Korea. He went, he went back to the States, came back to Korea, and, uh, and, and we've just seen him mature and grow in the Lord. Uh, he got chosen to be our, one, our, one of our first uh, intern pastors. He started going to Torch Seminary up in Seoul. He graduated, and now he is our Director of Creativity. Of our of our church, Um, he's the overarching uh, director of creativity in all four campuses, and so yeah. And he's just he's an amazing speaker. He is the campus pastor of our E101 campus, and uh, he's single. I always like to mention that. Um, And he's a great man of God. He's an anointing speaker. Let's welcome up Marcus Corpening. Pastor Marcus (laughs) Corpening.
1: Thank you for mentioning that. It's good to get a reminder. Somehow I forget. It's good to be here at Seaside. It's good to finally be here and preach in Busan. And so I'm so excited. Um, I was here actually in August uh, with uh, Pastor Christian and, and Pastor Aaron. We had a campus pastor summit. And that was my first time actually attending a seaside service, and I remember just standing there throughout worship just crying because God's presence is so thick here, Mm -hmm. and even today, I mean, I wasn't, like, my eyes aren't puffy or anything. I wasn't crying, but, you know, there's stuff in the atmosphere, my allergies, (laughs) but it was really, it's just so powerful uh, what you guys have here, and I was commenting that, I was commenting to Brother AJ about how each campus looks similar, but it looks so different as well, and so I'm so glad to be here and uh, to, yeah, to speak to you guys today. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Numbers chapter 5. We're going to look at Numbers 5, verse 5 to 7. Preach fasting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're already getting blessed. Come on. Numbers 5, 5 to 7. Today I want to talk to you on the topic, Breaking Faith. Breaking faith. Numbers five verses five to seven. I'm going to read it out. You can look along with me. It says, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel. When a man or woman commits any of the sins that people commit by breaking faith with the Lord and that person realizes his guilt, he shall confess his sin that he has committed And he shall make full restitution for his wrong, adding a fifth to it and giving it to him to whom he did the wrong. Some of you are thinking that's a very random verse. What are we going to talk about today? Let me pray for us and we'll get into it. Father, I thank you so much for Seaside. I thank you for what you're doing in the city of Busan. And I thank you for every person here in this room, God. I thank you, Lord, that you when you look at them, you don't just see one person, but you see a thousand that you see their influence, God, that will go out and reach and change this city. And so, Lord, I bless them. I pray that today your word would go deep in God, that it would transform their heart, their mind, their relationship with you and their relationship with one another, God, and that this community and this city would just experience your glory in your heart. Lord, we bind the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We declare life in this place in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, the Lord wants to take you to a new level of relationship. He wants to take you to a new level of love. Mm. Yeah, I'm single and I said it. He wants to take you to a new dynamic of expectation, hope and grace in your relationships. How many of us want that? Yeah, we want that. I want that. Some of you are like, I'm not sure if I want that. You want that. Okay. And. What needs to happen? And, and in order for that to happen, for you to go to that new level of relationship, you've got to deal with this issue of breaking faith. You know, in my past, before I met the Lord, I was in quite a few relationships. Yeah. But that was all in college, because in high school, I was definitely afraid of girls. <laughs> and uh yeah, I know it's weird. It was high school. I should have got over that in middle school, but it was prolonged for me. OK, uh, but. But in, in college, I remember I was, I was in a bunch of relationships, and I got really used to breaking up, you know? I got used to dating for a bit and then going through a breakup. How many of us have been through a breakup? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> you know? And, I, and even nowadays, it's not necessarily that we have all went through breakups or going through breakups now, but we know what it's like to experience distance in our relationships, We know what it's like to experience distance, not just in our relationships with one another, but in our relationship with God. We know what it's like in our relationships with people to feel like that things are starting to break. But what I want you to get today is that in your relationship with God, in your relationship with other people, before you ever break trust, before you ever break up, the first thing that breaks is faith. Faith in God, faith in other people. And so if you want to have relationships that thrive in a relationship with God that is constantly filled with life, you have to deal with constantly breaking faith. What am I talking about when I say breaking faith? Well, what is faith? Hebrews eleven, one. we know this verse. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, right? It's that what we have hoped for, what we believe, we will receive. When I was preaching at At Hillside, to all the campuses, I talked about how many of us, we believe that faith is the insurance of things hoped for. I'll have faith just in case what I'm hoping for does not come to pass. But instead, faith is actually the assurance that what you're hoping for, you will receive it. It is the conviction of things that you have not seen. Meaning the things that you cannot see, but in your heart there is is a vision for it. It's a conviction, a commitment that it will happen. In Hebrews eleven six, 6, it says without faith, it is impossible to please God. God's love language is not serving. God's love language is not mopping the floor. God's love language is not being nice to people. God's love language is faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. And what does it say that that is? It means that whoever draws near believes that he exists. I believe that God exists. Hopefully all of you believe that God exists and that's why you're here. And that he rewards those who seek him. Meaning that he's not only real. A lot of people believe that God is real. A lot of religions believe that God is real. But not many religions believe that God is a rewarder. In Islam, they believe that God exists, but they believe that God hates you. In Hinduism, they believe that there are many gods that exist and none of them like you. (laughs) But Christianity is the only religion where we believe that God exists and he rewards, he's good. And what I want you to understand about faith today is that faith is a relational term. Faith is a relational term. That faith only exists in the context of relationship. I got lunch with Pastor Lydia yesterday and she was talking about how pastors Mina and Caleb always talk about how our God is a relational God. You know, they say it all the time. God is a relational God. I think I heard them say it three times today. (laughs) God is a relational God. But most of us were convinced that faith is more a concept. Right. Faith is just something you do. But faith in and of itself is a relational thing. That, in fact, you don't have you don't just have faith. But we see here in Numbers 5, 6, you have faith with. Here in, in Numbers 5, 6, it says, speak to the people of Israel when a man or woman commits any of the sins that people commit by breaking faith in the Lord. Breaking faith with the Lord. That faith is actually something you do with. You know, the word faith in the Greek is translated as the word pistis. Everyone say pistis. pistis. Sounds very offensive. P-I-S-T-I-S. Pistis. <laughs> Everyone say it again. Pistis. pistis. And, and it, means, it means in the Greek, it doesn't just mean to believe. But it also means commitment. Guarantee. Security. Actually, I'll teach you a little bit about the word faith. It, faith the word faith was meant to refer in in, a secular, in the secular arena, the word pistis. <laughs> the word pistis, I don't know why that's funny. I don't know why I'm laughing. I'm, I'm the preacher. I'm supposed to be appropriate. The word pistis was often used. Okay, right. <laughs> Amen, sister. Amen. It was meant to refer not only to faith or belief, but also to an agreement between two parties to make sure that what they had asked to be credited to them, they would receive. So in a legal agreement, the, in in the terms of the Greeks, they would use that word, the word that in the new Testament we take and we use for faith. It also could mean the right of possession, the evidence that you have the right to a piece of property. It meant protection that the one in whom you are in agreement with is going to pay What they had promised. So if I make an agreement with Todd about something, and and we go into this agreement, and Todd's like, you know what, Marcus, I'm going to give you $5,000. Todd is generous. He's balling like that, and he's single. If Todd's like, I'm going to give you $5,000, and I'm like, okay, Todd, you give me $5,000, I'm going to give you, I don't know, I'm going to, I don't know, what would I do for $5,000? It's a very vulnerable question. (laughs) Todd, I'm going to clean your house once. Actually, I don't want to use that kind of... That sounds... No, you're hiring me. That's not servitude. Okay. Anyways. And in that agreement, that agreement is literally called faith. That in the understanding of that word, I'm not just having faith in Todd. I'm having faith with Todd. And therefore, if Todd doesn't fulfill his... what he has promised, he is breaking faith. If I don't fulfill what I have promised, I am breaking faith. Faith also could connotate complete loyalty and fidelity. When a husband and wife stand before one another, as I hope to do someday in the near future, (laughs) and they do their vows, you know what they're doing? They are coming together and having faith with one another. Most of us, we've only thought about having faith in. But God wants you today to understand that you don't just have faith in him. You have faith with him. He wants you to understand in your relationships, you don't just have faith in someone. You've got to have faith with someone. And oftentimes our relationships become fragmented and our relationships get broken because we first break faith. If you can understand this today, I promise you, it's going to transform the way that you relate to God and relate to people. Breaking faith results in the death of your relationships. It results in the the distance in your relationships with God and with others. I want to talk to you about three people who broke faith in the Bible. Three people who broke faith. I want you to turn to Deuteronomy we're going to be in the Old Testament for this entire message. Deuteronomy 32. Deuteronomy is right after Numbers, so you don't have to scroll far. Deuteronomy 32. And I'm going to read from verses 48 to 51. The first person who broke faith is a guy, you may have heard of him before. His name's Moses. You know, there's this new, apparently there's this new movie coming out called Exodus, where Christian Bale, the guy who plays Batman, is going to play Moses. <laughs> That's crazy. Like, Batman's going to be Moses. <laughs> and then also, he's got a bow and arrow in the movie. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Like, I thought Moses had a staff. Now he has a <laughs> bow and arrow. Okay, anyways. If you, I'm sure some of you guys saw Noah. Um, but anyways, let's keep going. Deuteronomy 32, 48 to 51. It says that very day the Lord spoke to Moses, "Go up this mountain of the Abiram. That's my God voice. Mount Nebo, in which is the land of Moab, opposite of Jericho, and view the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel for a possession. I can't speak that low forever. And die on the mountain which you go up. Imagine hearing that from God. I want you to go up there and die. <laughs> God is gangster." I want you to go up to this mountain. I'm giving it to the people. Verse 50, and die on the mountain which you go up and be gathered to your people. And Aaron, your brother, died in Mount Hor and was gathered to his people because you broke faith. Everyone say broke faith. Broke faith. With me in the midst of the people of Israel at the waters of Meribah Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin, And because you did not treat me as holy in the midst of the people of Israel. Moses, I want you to go climb this mountain and when you get to the top, die. Because you broke faith. And he refers to, he said, you broke faith at a specific place, verse 51, in the midst of the people of Israel at the waters of Meribah Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin. And this is actually referring to an earlier event. We find it in Numbers chapter 20. You can just write Numbers 20 and look at it in your own time. And then in this event, Moses was leading the people through the wilderness, right? That's what we know that Moses did. Moses led people in the wilderness. And he was leading them through the wilderness. And you can imagine they've been walking through the wilderness. It's hot. They're, they're, just, they're eating manna. They're eating bread all the time. They're getting thirsty. All right? And so they're getting thirsty. And in an earlier event, they got thirsty and people started to grumble. They started to complain because anytime you're on a road trip and people get thirsty, everyone starts complaining. And so they start whining, oh, my gosh, Moses, God's got us here to die. He doesn't care about us to die with this water. And Moses, he gets flustered. So what does he do? He goes to God and he's like, God, these people are about to kill me because they are thirsty. It's a paraphrase, okay? It doesn't actually say that, but it's similar. And he goes to God and he's like, God, they're going, they're getting frustrated. They're going to rebel. God says, Moses, I want you to walk up to this rock, strike the rock, and then water Gotcha, God. He walks up. He hits the rock. Out comes water. Everyone gets their drink on. Everyone sits there. Everyone gets refreshed. Now, this happens earlier, but then, you know, some time passes. A couple years pass, and then they're walking through the wilderness again. Everyone, same people, probably same story. Moses, we're thirsty. Oh, my gosh, you're going to have us die in the wilderness. God hates us. Because on a road trip, when you get thirsty, everyone starts complaining. And then Moses, same thing. God, what do I do? What do I do? And this time, God says, Moses, you are at a different season of life. Here's what I want you to do now. You've seen me do miracles. Rather than go up and strike the rock in your own physical power, I want you to walk up to the rock and speak to the rock, Moses. Moses is speak to the rock. What are you talking about, God? Like that? I ain't never done that before. I've lifted my staff of the Red Sea, but speak to the rock. Never done that. He walks up to the rock. He's about to speak. He can't do it. What does he do? He reverts back to what he's done before. He strikes the rock. Water comes out. But God says, Moses, because you did not listen to me. Right? We see it right here. Because you broke faith with me. Because what what did he strikes the rock instead and breaks faith because he did not believe that God could provide supernaturally through his voice. He was standing there and God says, Moses, I want you to speak to the rock. And if you speak to the rock, water's going to flow out and something supernatural. A miracle is going to take place, Moses. And all Moses had to do was speak. But because he did not believe that God could do something supernatural in that moment, he did it in his own strength instead. And many of us are like Moses. We're trying to physically accomplish the will of God. We're trying, we're striving in our own strength, trying to accomplish something for us that God wants us to simply speak to. You know, many of us, we're trying to accomplish the will of God in our own personal lives, in our own personal ways, and God wants you to start speaking to it rather than striking it. You know, Sunday swim, Friday fire, there's these prayer meetings that That we have here at New Philly. But a lot of people towards prayer. They're like what's the point of prayer? Why should I even get on my knees and pray? Why should I even speak? It's not going to do anything. I'm better off doing it on my own strength. Not understanding that every time. That we decide not to speak to the rock. And instead to do it in our own strength. We're breaking faith with God. I have so many people that come up to me. As a pastor and say I'm worn out. I'm tired. I feel so distant from God. And I'm like. What's your personal relationship with God look like? Well, I'm working, I'm serving, I'm doing all these things. I'm like, how much time do you actually spend with God? How much time do you spend actually speaking to the obstacles in your life instead of trying to overcome them through your own strength? See, when you spend your whole life trying to strive to make something happen that God says he wants you to speak to, it will wear you out and it will bring death in your relationship with God. Before you know it, you feel distant. You feel separated from God. And you're wondering, what happened? And God's like, it's because I wanted you to speak instead of strike. Stop trying so hard. Stop striving. Stop trying to make that dream and destiny and that supernatural provision happen by your own strength. And start asking me for it. What areas in your life are you striking at that you need to be speaking to? Not only in our relationship with not only in our relationship with God, but also in our relationship with others. Oftentimes in our relationships with others, we strike when we need to speak. You ever <laughs> notice that? We feel distance with someone, we feel that we, we want to go deeper with someone or we feel issues with someone, and before we know it, we're speaking, th- we're doing things in, in harshness and out of reaction when instead God wants us to speak. In Proverbs 15:1, it says, "A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger." Proverbs 25:15 says, "With patience, a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue will break a bone." In your relationships, which will think about people that you feel distant from? Oftentimes, when we feel distant, we react. And instead, God's wanting you to learn how to speak softly. To speak in it. When we lose sight of how a person is provisioned in our lives, then we end up being just like Moses, striking things that we need to speak to. And relationships die when we do that. The second person who broke faith, his name was Akan. Everyone say Akan. I want you to turn to Joshua. So the first area, Moses, he didn't trust in God's provision. And because he didn't trust in God's provision, he broke faith by striking the rock instead of speaking to it. And even in our relationships, when we lose sight of how a person is God's provision to us, we end up striking or being harsh to them instead of being soft. And those things oftentimes will bring even death to our relationships with people. The second person is Akon. I want you to turn to Joshua chapter 7. Joshua is right after Deuteronomy. You just turning in one more book. Joshua 7.1, it says, But the people of Israel broke faith. Everyone say broke faith. Broke faith. In regard to the devoted things. And Akon, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, <laughs> took some of the devoted things. And the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. I'll give you some context. Uh, The chapter before that is the famous story of Jericho. And so God has, Moses has died. He went up on the mountain and he died. And then Joshua takes over. And God's raised up Joshua to lead the people of God into the promises. And so they're going in and they're about to get into one of their first major battles, which is to overtake the city of Jericho. Right. And we know the famous story. They walk around it and they they walk around seven times. They scream out seven times on the seventh time. The walls come down. But God tells them in Joshua six, he says, he says in verse 18, keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction. He tells them, when you go in the city, I'm giving you victory in this area. I'm giving you this land. I'm wanting you to go in and possess the promised land. But check it out. When you go in, stay away from the gold and silver. Stay away from the gold and silver. I know it's shiny. I know it's bling bling, but you don't need it. Stay away from the gold and silver. Just give that to me. Devote it to me. And so they do everything. The walls come down and they go in. They walk through Everyone's faithful to give what needs to be given to God, except for one guy. One guy. Akan. Oh, Akan. (laughs) And Akan walks in and you can imagine, Akan walks by and he he sees something. We see it in Joshua 7.20. He says, Joshua 7.21, he said, When I saw the spoil, a beautiful cloak... He did it for some clothes, 20 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels. I coveted them and I took them and see they are hidden in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath. Oftentimes, one reason we break faith is because of lust, because of covetousness. They're going through they they, God gives them this city. He gives them the land that's meant for generations. But instead, Akan gives it all up for a T-shirt and a little bit of bling bling, a little bit of gold and silver. And if you want to know what lust is, not just a sexual thing. Lust goes beyond just sexual lust. It's, it, it's anything. It's when you desire any provision that God has not provided for you. It's when you desire something that God himself has said, that's not for you. If you take that, that's going to destroy you. If you eat of that fruit, you will surely die. If you sleep with that person, it will ruin your relationships. If you if you covet that money, that money will end up being something that will separate you from me. It's not just a sexual thing. Jesus himself said that we cannot serve two masters. We will love one and hate the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And. I know that so many people, they struggle with lust, not just in terms of sexually, but often in terms of money. You know, when they get paid, they're madly in love. They're so in love on payday. And then at the end of the month, they're like they just broke up because they ain't got any more money. And they're just going back and forth between this happiness. You know, everyone for some reason, when you get payday, you just get so happy. I know it because, like, I'm working on staff, especially when Pastor Mina used to work on staff. And back then, I used to be so in bondage to coveting money and loving money, and I would not budget my money correctly. And so, like, three days before it was time to get paid, and Pastor Mina would be the person who oversaw the money, I would send her a little text message: "Hey, Mina." Can you, can you give me a little advance? Can you send me a little money early? And it's because I was so, you know, and before she would send me that money or sometimes she would say no. Because, you know, she's like, you need to budget your money. And I would be angry. I would be so upset. I can't believe she's not going to send me that. Okay. But inside, I'm so angry, so depressed. It was like I broke up. Because I was in love with money. Because I was coveting. And God was trying to give a con, Check this out. God was trying to give them a city. God was trying to give them land. And that land represented not just a victory. He was trying to give them generational kind of wealth. But instead, a con gave it up for a t-shirt, some gold, and some silver. You know, in this day and age, what, what binds us is not just lust and pornography, but materialism. You know, we give up generational wealth to for our children and our children's children because we want to look fly. I preached on a sermon at, at Itaewon about materialism and about how it's idolatry. And afterwards, no one wanted to talk to me. <laughs> no one came up to me afterwards and said, good sermon, pastor. It was because everyone was walking away angry. Because we love our stuff. But every time that we sacrifice our future for the sake of something now, we're breaking faith with God. We're, we're exalting it as an idol. And then before we know it, we feel distant from God. And we're like, why? Why?" And God's like, it's because you were taking something that I didn't want you to take. In relationships, even in relationships, we see that because of con sin, because he gave up all this generational wealth for the sake of his own prosperity. It says that they, the people of God, they went out to battle and a lot of people died. And in your relationships, what we don't realize is that lust doesn't just affect you, it affects everyone. What we don't understand is that greed and covetousness doesn't just affect you, but it affects all your other relationships as well. We live in an age where our friends and the people around us have become commodities. And our commodities have become our best friends. In college, there's this moment in college where I remember it was after one of my many breakups. And I remember my mother had picked me up for spring break and she was driving me home. And my mom was like, hey, so how are things going with so-and-so? And I was like, mom... Things are, we broke up.
0: She's like, why? She
1: was such a nice girl. I was like, no, she wasn't, Mom. I was like, Mom, she was crazy. And, and and my mom was like, hmm, okay. And I was like, and and my mom was like, well, what about so-and-so before her? I was like, she was crazy, too. And my mom was like, hmm, okay. And wasn't so-and-so before her crazy, too? Uh, I like, you know what, mom, now that you mention it, she was really crazy too. He's like, huh. They were all crazy. I like, yes, they were, mom. They were crazy. All of them were crazy. Every single one of them. They were jealous, they're cultists, they're crazy. My mom was like, hmm. Marcus, I just want to ask you a question. Yeah? In those relationships where all the girls were crazy, Uh uh-huh, who was the common denominator in all those relationships? (laughs) Who was the common theme, the common person in those relationships? You mean that they were crazy, right? That was common. You're talking about me. (sighs) Huh. yep and then I stopped and I, I was thinking about that recently <laughs> because after my mom said that it, I was like you know what actually I am the common denominator in those relationships but I tried to I, was wanting to I was trying to figure out why why was it that in every relationship I thought that all the girls I dated were crazy you know what, what it was It was that back then I was in heavy bondage to lust. And whenever you're in bondage to lust, there's no safety in a relationship. And so what it causes is it causes intense fear to be the common thing in your relationships. Because you start to treat people like they are commodities rather than people. And so it's almost like an iPhone 4. This person, I really, when you're treating a person like a commodity... Because you don't have faith that this person is someone that God has provided for you to love and invest in. It's like an iPhone 4. I like it right now. It's nice and shiny. But when an iPhone 5 comes out, I'm going to trade it in for something else. And that person that you're treating like an iPhone 4, they're going to start to feel like you're treating them like a commodity. And all of a sudden the relationship starts to break. And the trust and the Faith and all these things in the relationship start to break. All because you started out going into it with lust. Breaking faith. For some of you, you're, you know, we're so tempted to trade because of lust to trade things in that we do not understand God is wanting to give us a generational blessing in Sometimes we, you know, God confronted me in Tobago. And I remember he was like, Marcus, I want to confront you on something right now. And I was like, what? He was like, you are far too picky. I was like, what? And he was like, because of lust, because of the way that lust has warped your mind to treat people like commodities, you're constantly comparing people next to one another. I was like, whoa. I repent. I <laughs> repent. And we don't understand that oftentimes in our relationships with people, that's what we're doing. We're treating them like they're an iPhone 4 in a galaxy. And we're just comparing them side by side because we don't understand that God wants to provide for us through people, that they're people that we're meant to invest in. And we break faith. Some of you, God has lifelong friendships that he's been wanting you to, to invest in, but you're holding out for better friends. You're holding out and investing in them because you're thinking that someone, God's going to do something better along the way. And there's no faith. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. The third person. Amen, Cares. The third person who broke faith, his name was Saul. I want you to turn a couple of books over to First Chronicles thirteen. And as I'm preaching this message, I want you to just be asking yourself, God, where am I breaking faith? Is it in the area of lust? Do I do I not trust your provision? Do I not trust your goodness? Am I striving because I don't believe that you'll provide for me financially? Am I treating people harshly because I don't understand that they're gifts unto me and not just commodities? And the last person was Saul, King Saul. And in First Chronicles 10, 13, it says, 1 Chronicles 10, verse 13. It says, and so Saul died for his breach of faith. There's a common theme here, okay? Moses died because he broke faith. Acon, you know what happened to him? He died because, of he, because he broke faith. And then First Chronicles 10, 13. So Saul died for his breach of faith. He broke faith with the Lord in that he did not keep the command of the Lord and also consulted a medium seeking guidance. Now, this particular passage is referring back when it says that he broke faith with the Lord, that he did not keep the command of the Lord. It's referring to First Samuel 13. Now, what had happened was that when Samuel became king, when Samuel became king and he was the first king of Israel, Samuel, who had anointed him, Saul said, well, Samuel said to Saul, I want you to wait seven days, wait seven days, and I'm going to show up on seven days and I'm going to, uh, we're going to make the sacrifices before the Lord. We're going to establish your kingdom in Israel forever. And so Saul's like, okay, cool. I can wait a week. I can wait a week. A week's nothing. And then, so he waits a week. He waits a week, and then seven days pass by, and Samuel does not show up. Samuel was event-oriented. He was not time-oriented. <laughs> Samuel had a couple other things going on, and he looked at his watch, and he's like, Saul can wait. I'm just going to show up a little later. And so he he shows up. Well, he's, Saul's there waiting, and he waits seven days. And by the seven days, something... What starts happening? All the soldiers that are around, they're like, you know, we were waiting on, we were waiting on, on Samuel to come for Saul. But there's, and there's all these soldiers that are about to go into a battle. But the soldiers are like, you know what? Forget Saul. You know, he said that Samuel was going to come and anoint him and establish his kingship. But Sam, Samuel's not here yet. And so all of a sudden, some of the soldiers start to leave. And Saul, Saul had this intense fear of man. He was, he needed people to affirm him. He needed people to tell him, Saul, you're so awesome, right? And so as soon as people start leaving, Saul starts freaking out. He starts losing it. And so he's like, okay, no, no, no. I'm going to make the sacrifices myself. And so he grabs, I forgot what, he grabbed probably some lamb, something around here. Come here, cow. And he just, (laughs) and he, he goes up and he makes a burnt sacrifice. Now, the funny thing is that the moment he makes the burnt sacrifice and the things are smoking, that's when Samuel shows up. What is this? And he says, could you not wait? He says, could you not wait for me to come? And he says, the Lord, here's what he says. Check this out. He says this in 1 Samuel. This is what Samuel says Then Samuel says, what have you done? And Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattering from me, and you did not come within the seven days. I said, now the Philistines will come against me and I don't have the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself and I brought the burnt offering. Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God, which he's commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. I was going to... God was going to establish this in your life forever, Saul, but you couldn't wait eight days. Yeah, I know I said I'd show up in seven, but I'm making you wait a little while longer. What's wrong with just a little while longer, Saul? Well, people started to look against me. People started to talk badly against me. And then all of a sudden, he's breaking faith with God because he's afraid of what other people would say. And he says, you've not kept the command of the Lord. I would have established, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. See, sometimes we, because of, we feel like God's not showing up on time. We feel like God's not showing up when he needs to show up. And so we start breaking faith by doing things that sacrifice our destiny. By not being willing to wait. I know God has given you some promises. Some things that He's spoken into your life. Are you willing to wait? Are you willing to say, you know what God? I thought that you would show up this time. But you haven't shown up yet. But I'm not going to try and make it happen on my own. I'll wait. See because Saul. Broke faith in not being willing to wait. Not being willing to be patient. It brought. Not only into his relationship with God. Not only did. Not only did, did it bring destruction. And, and separation in his relationship with God. But it brought. Destruction to his relationship. With the entire kingdom. All the influence. All the things that God had for his life, he sacrificed because he wasn't willing to wait. So, when we break faith, what do we do? What are we supposed to do whenever we've broken faith because of lust or because we don't trust in God's provision or because we're not willing to wait? It's actually very simple. In Numbers 5, the text we started with, it says that when any person has broken faith with the Lord, and that person realizes his, his guilt, he shall confess his sin that he's committed. And when we see confession in the Old Testament, that's just pointing in the New Testament, what we call that repentance. And repentance is much more than just saying, I'm sorry. Repentance is talking about changing your mindset towards God and towards people. Repentance is saying that I recognize that God is a provider. I recognize that God comes right on time. I recognize that the people around me are not just ones that I can treat as commodities, but they're gifts that God has given me to invest in. And we know that Jesus himself is the greatest sign of God's provision. Romans says that he who did not spare his own son, how will he not freely give unto us all things? But we've got to repent. But not just repent, but then begin to believe. See, I know personally in my life that this is a season where God has been telling me, Marcus, I want you to start expecting the best. Marcus, I want you to go into every situation, into every relationship, into every situation that you're in, expecting the best. Expecting that I am always working, that I am always on time, that I will always provide, that I will never leave you. I will never forsake you, that no matter what kind of mistakes you've made, I will always turn it around for your good. But the first thing that God started to say was, Marcus, you think that your issues are relational. You think that your issues are your own. You think that it's just lust. No, Marcus, your issue is that you're breaking faith. Marcus, you don't need to repent. Just of these, you know, because we're so good about repenting of what we do, right? I'm sorry I did this. I'm sorry I did this. I'm sorry I did this action. I'm sorry I did this work. I'm sorry I did this work. But the real issue is not your works, it's faith. And it's learning to confess, God, you know what? I repent of breaking faith. And God, I make a commitment in this hour to never break faith again. I make a commitment in this hour to believe. I make a commitment in this hour to uphold the agreement that we have made. I believe, God, that you will pay. You will always pay what you said you would pay. See, I started off saying That faith is not just something you, it's not a concept that you muster up, but it's an actual agreement. And Jesus himself is the guarantor of our faith. We see that when God sent his only son to die for us on the cross, it is the guarantee that God will provide everything that he has promised. It is the yes and amen. So what have you been breaking faith in? Where... Is it that faith needs to be restored? Today's the day God's saying, you know what? I'm going to begin to move and I'm going to begin to fulfill, but as we restore faith. Let's pray. want us all to pray and I know I talked about breaking faith and a lot of this message was about areas where where in our relationship with God we felt distant or we felt like he's not listening or we felt like he's not going to provide or move issue is not your works. The issue is not your mistakes. But the issue is faith. It's believing that everything that God has, has promised he would fulfill. It's believing that in his time he would provide. It's believing that when he tells you to speak to the rock, when he tells you to pray that he will answer your prayers. You know, for me personally, God has been challenging me in the area of my relationships. To say, Marcus, just one day a month ago, Pastor Christian walked into the room where I was working. And as soon as he walked into the room, I felt... I felt anxiety grip my heart. And God began to challenge that. he said, Marcus, why is it that why is it that sometimes when people when people walk up to you, you always assume the worst? You always assume they're gonna tell you what you did wrong. And then he said, Marcus, why is it that when you become you come before me, you You assume that I'm going to tell you what you did wrong. You assume. that I won't provide. You assume the worst. Marcus, in your life, the thing that keeps getting broken. Is faith. You say, Marcus, I want to begin to restore this. I want to begin to change your mindset. I want to begin to show you that, that as long as you keep faith at the center of your relationships, it's impossible. And it's impossible for your relationship with me and those relationships that you hold dear to be fractured beyond repair. So you don't have to expect that. I just feel like God wants to release a grace to start changing some mindsets in this place, especially in the area of provision. When you've been waiting on the Lord. You've been believing the Lord, but you've been feeling like... You've been feeling like Moses. Where God told you to speak to the rock. You just feel like it's... Whether it's in your relationships, whether it's a future spouse, whether it's your finances. And you feel like, you know what, God, I've been waiting, I've been believing, but it's not been happening. I believe God wants to start giving you a fresh expectation again to believe for the best. To expect the best. So I just want to pray for you. I can have everyone right now just stand up. And I'm gonna I want us all to pray together, whatever area it is, but specifically in that area of provision, if you feel like, you know what, my faith in that area has just been broken. I want you to come up to the front and I'm going to pray for you. But all together, what I want you to do is if there's that area where you felt like, God, my faith's been broken in this area. I've lost faith. I want you to repent. I want you to say, God, you know what? I turn from that. I turn from those thoughts. I turn from believing that you are not faithful to fulfill that, that agreement. I turn and And then I want you to begin to speak the opposite. I want you to begin to profess that God will provide. I want you to begin to profess. I want you to begin to speak out your faith. I want you to begin to declare that that very thing that you thought was broken, God is mending. That very thing that you thought would not manifest, that it's going to manifest in this season. I want you to start declaring that you're not taking steps back, but you're moving forward in this hour. And so all across this room, I want you to begin to pray. But if you feel like you need a special grace, if you feel like you need a special prayer, I want you to just come up to the front and I'm going to pray for you. He wants to take back your Mondays. And some of you are thinking, what does that even mean? See, God, God wants every day to be the best day of your life. See, I realized that it's hard for me to wake up in the morning oftentimes because I'd rather stay I'd rather stay asleep and dreaming than to be awake and live out those dreams. Because they're afraid that during the week it's not going to be as good as how it is when we're asleep. But God's wanting to take back your Mondays. He's wanting to give you a fresh expectation. You know when Adam is it was in the garden before sin? When he walked with God, everything was new. Everything was new. Everything was, he was like, man, God was like, check out that grass, Adam. He's like, wow, this is grass. Check out that pineapple, Adam. Oh, man, this pineapple. It was like a child experiencing every day new again. And God's wanting to restore that to you.